Hey, who's ready? Woo! Good to see y'all. My name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are in the middle of a series called At the Movies. So what we're doing is every week we're looking at a movie of today and pulling out truth and connecting it to the truth of God's word. So I hope you're excited. We're looking at Black Panther today. As you just saw, amazing movie. I would encourage you all to go see it if you have not yet. Um, and I'm excited to be continuing this series. Next week, you need to come back. We are going to be looking at Lego Batman, all right? And uh, you all need to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun. So bring someone with you. But what we're doing in this series is every week we're looking at one of our core values. These are what we call our blueprints. So this is what our church is all about. Uh, this is what guides everything that we do here at Project Church. And so today I get to talk to you about generosity, our privilege. Everybody say privilege. So through money, time, and energy, we will bless our community and our world. We believe that we as a church have a call to be generous, that we would be guided by and led by generosity. We believe that we don't have to give or be generous. We get to give and be generous. It's a get-to thing. It's a get-to mentality. And this is a blessing that we have as a church. And so I'm really excited to be coming at you today uh, talking about Black Panther and looking at this idea of generosity and what it looks like for us. So here's what I want you to hear from me today. Loving God means we can do nothing less than to bless. When you love God, you can't do anything else but bless. Why? Because you've been blessed, and so you in turn are a blessing. Blessings flow in, and so blessings flow out. When you have that love and that relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ, you can't do anything else. You can't help but bless the people around you. You can't help but be a blessing to people you come in contact with. But I do think that all of us could learn and grow in the heart and cultivating a heart of generosity. Because how many know it doesn't come natural? We live in a culture that's all about me. It's all about I. In fact, there was a football player back in the day. His name was Terrell Owens, uh, one of my favorite players for the 49ers. Had a lot of antics, right? But one thing he used to do is he would walk around and he'd say, I love me. I love me some me. And I saw this whole, like, documentary following him. And, and half the time he's just walking around, I love me. I love me some me. And a lot of us are looking at him going, man, this dude is so prideful. Like, how arrogant of a player that he would literally be walking around to his teammates. He'd hit his teammate. Yo, what's up? I love me. I love me some me. But you know what's funny? Is we live that way. We may not walk around saying, I love me. I love me some me. No, our actions just say it. Our actions say, I love me. I love Caleb, man. I love Caleb a lot. I love me some me. We, our actions say that same thing. In, the, in our culture, this culture that we live in, we are inundated with the idea of you and I and me and what I can get and how I can get more. We live tight-fisted with everything that we have. And yet in God's kingdom, we are called to live with open hands. As generous people, as a people that get to give, don't have to give. Winston Churchill said this, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. How many of you know that giving is the best way to live? You know, it, it's counterintuitive in some ways because you're like, but if I give, then I have less. But by having less, you actually feel like you have more. 
By letting go, you actually feel like you're picking up so many more things that actually matter. Things that have real substance. Maybe not physical substance, but real substance in your soul and in your heart and in your spirit. So what I want to do is I want to read from Acts chapter 3 today. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. Uh, Acts chapter 3, it will be on the screen for you as well. You can follow along there. We have a giant Bible right here behind me for you. But uh, I'm going to read this right now. Acts chapter 3. We're going to read verse 1 through 10. This is the story of the lame beggar who's healed. And what happens here is in Acts, the beginning of Acts, Jesus ascends to heaven. He's died. He's been risen again. Then he ascends to heaven. And he tells the disciples, he says, listen, you need to wait for the Holy Spirit, for one that's going to endue you, give you power. So wait on him. So they go into an upper room, 120 of them, and they wait, and the Holy Spirit descends on them. They start to speak in other languages, other tongues, and they're praising God in languages they don't know. And then they go out into the streets. They're doing the same thing. Peter gets up and preaches the first sermon in the history of the church, the new church, the the church of Jesus Christ, not of Latter-day Saints, though. Um, And and he gets up there, and he he preaches the first sermon, and 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus Christ right there in that moment. And so this is immediately following this, within a few days, they have this encounter as they're going to the temple to teach. So that's a little background. Let's go. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. Jesus, speak to us from your word. We need you today. I need you today. God, I pray that you would open our hearts to generosity Lord, we wouldn't see it as a have to, but a get to. And may we live open-handed with all that you've given us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Living to bless means, number one, that we give willingly. Everybody say willingly. Here's what Peter says to this man. The man asks him, begs him for, for alms, for money. He says, silver and gold... I don't have, I do not have. And I think that a lot of us, we stop there in our lives. A lot of you in this place, you stop there. You see, you have opportunities and and you live in this life and you go, man, silver and gold I don't have, so peace. Silver and gold I don't have, so I got to move on with my life. Silver and gold I don't have, so I'm really busy. I got to keep moving. Silver and gold I don't have. I don't got time to be interrupted or to be bothered. I think a lot of us live 
With this statement, the problem is we don't get to the but. And Peter, he says this, but he moves on. You see, this wasn't the end of his statement. This was the beginning of his statement. But a lot of us are living in the beginning. And what I'm telling you is you're living in a mindset of lack. You're living in a mindset of what you don't have. And so opportunities are around you. And I'm not just talking about money. You all thought, oh, here he goes. He's going to preach on money today. No, I'm not just talking about money. Generosity in our blueprint is not just about money. It's about time. It's about energy. It's about passion. It's about joy. It's about love. It's about all the other things you have. And a lot of us are living in this mindset that silver and gold I don't have, so I can't be a blessing. And that's how you think. And that's how you live, and that's how you walk. And I'm here to tell you that God is declaring today over us and over our church, you are here to bless. And here's the reality. You have been blessed. Do we have any blessed people in this place today? You got some blessings in your life? Yes. Here's what I want to say to you. You are blessed. Hear me today. You're in this room going, Kayla, you ain't seen my bank account. Listen, I know how some of y'all's bank accounts look. I'm not talking about money. You are blessed in this place. You got wind and air in your lungs. You are blessed. You got passion in your soul. You are blessed. You got a fire in your spirit. You are blessed. You got joy in your, in your countenance. You are blessed. You got love in your heart. You are blessed. The problem is we go silver and gold I don't have, so I ain't got time for, for anybody. And God is saying to us right now, no. You see, Peter... He continued the statement. What he said, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, everybody say, do have. What I do have, I give to you today. What I do have, I give to you today. What I do have, I'm living with open hands. So I want you to hear me because a lot of you have been living with this mindset that silver and gold I don't have, I can't be a blessing. Someday I'll be a blessing, but not now. Someday I'll bless people, but not here. Someday I'll bless people, but not right now in this situation. And I'm here to tell you, you have a lot of do-haves in your life. And I want you to start changing your mindset. And I'm trying to change my mindset. I say, what I do have, I'm going to give. What I do have, I'm going to share. What I do have, I'm going to bless with. What I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. God is calling us to loose some chains in this place. I'm so excited. I'm spitting all over the place today. God is calling us to loose some chains. God is calling us to get some people on their feet. God is calling us to be those that release freedom in this world. What I do have, I give to you. Somebody in this place testify that you have some do-haves in your life. Come on, church. I got some do-haves. I'm excited, y'all. Man, it's so good to see you. Are you willing to give what you do have? Because that's a question you got to ask yourself. Because now you're going, you know what, Kayla, you're right. I do have some things. I am a do-have. But are you willing to give what you do have? What I found, though, is when I give what I do have, God just gives me even more. God just fills me up even more. God just blesses me even more. And I'm talking about in all kinds of ways. I want to live in a way that says, what I do have, I give. What I do have, I will give, and I'll do it willingly. Not reluctantly, not with hesitation, but willingly. So, Black Panther, 
great movie. It's fictional, just so you guys know. Black Panther is not real. Wakanda is not real. But let me set this up. We're going to watch some clips. And uh, first, the nation of Wakanda, they've been around for a long time, but they've been in hiding. Nobody knows they exist. They've been in hiding because they are the most technologically advanced uh, people and nation in the world. They have things that the rest of the world does not have because they're sitting on this deposit of what they call vibranium. And it's provided them with all kinds of intelligence and, and technological advances and technology. It's amazing. But they have kept themselves in hiding. They have a shield that literally protects them from the outside world that shields them. They don't even know that they're there. Why? Because they know what they have that other people would want and they don't want to destroy their way of life. And I think that this king, T'Challa, he's wrestling with this idea that maybe it's time that they help the world. Maybe it's time that they bless the world because they have things that can help people that are suffering in the world. And I want you to think about this as an illustration for the church because I think that there is maybe no better illustration I've seen in movies for the church than even this nation of Wakanda because we have so much, but we're like them and we want to shield ourselves. We build our walls to protect ourselves because we don't want to be tainted by the world. But the thing is about the word of God is that God has called us and said, you are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the hope of the world. You are the hands and feet of me and you must go into the world. You're in the world. You're not of the world to be a blessing for the world. And so hear me today, there is no better illustration because they're wrestling with this. I think we wrestle with this. I'm like, I got kids, so I'm like, I'm trying to shield them from the world. I want the world to affect them. And yet, I have a call to the world, to bless the world, to be the light of the world, to be the hope of the world. And then the temptation is, well, as long as I'm good, as long as mine are good, then it's all good. But that's not who God has called us to be. Let's watch this. We give willingly. Man, as a church, I'm so proud of this church. You know, a lot of people are like, how are you doing it in downtown? You have so many young people. You know, like that's how everyone perceives us. Uh, you got a lot of young people. I mean, that means you got no money. <laughs> Your church is po. Like that's what everybody thinks about us. I'm like, yeah, it's really tough. Just suffering for the Lord, you know. <laughs> but what's crazy is our church has become more and more generous. I'll tell you right now, in the last three years, our giving has increased 300%. Now, I attribute that to y'all are getting jobs now. So, you're moving up in your careers. Some of you are getting older like me. You see the gray hair coming in. You know. But, man, what I also say and what I've told people is, I don't know what's happening, but our church has become more and more generous, like crazy generous. And I'm thankful for it. A couple months ago, we had the opportunity to partner with Children's Hope Chest in sponsoring children. And they came to me and said, Caleb, we got 89 children at this spot in Guatemala at one of our care points where they provide schooling and food and, and education and help these kids. And we, we need, do you think your church could handle 89 kids? I know that's a lot. It's the first time you've ever done it. But you think you guys could do it? And I was like, I mean, we can try. So we presented it on a Sunday, and in one day, we sponsored all 89 kids, and we had people asking for more kids. I had to call them, like, yo, we, we, we need more. 
we need more kids. You know, <laughs> give us more. And they're like, okay. Amazing. Why? Because I see a generous church that is willing to give. Second today is we give to meet a need. I love this church because you see needs and you're ready to meet them. We have Hope Sunday coming up uh, in June. We cancel church on a Sunday morning. Say, no church. We're going out and we're serving the community. Last year when we did this on a Sunday, we did something like 19 different projects all around the city. Why? Because there's needs and we're willing to meet them. We're serving in schools. We're still in, serving in soup kitchens. We're serving in parks in downtown. We're blessing our community here in downtown in our campus in West Sac. We give to meet a need. There is a man lame from birth, the Bible says, asking alms of those entering the temple. There was two needs here. First, he needed money to eat. Second, he could not walk. Two needs. There are needs all around us, but I want to ask you, have our eyes become blind to the needs that we see every single day? I don't know about you, but I become numb. Any cynical people here like me? Critical people. I become cynical, critical. But you know, God has given me a blessing of children. And, you know, not all of you have kids, but for me, and I, I talk about my kids too much. I apologize right now. But for me, I have a six-year-old and a five-year-old and a three-year-old. But you know what's funny is my boys, every time I pull up to a stoplight and there's someone asking for money with a sign, they say, Dad, can we give them money? I say, do you all have money? They're like, no, Dad. I'm like, then what are you going to do? <laughs> They're like, but Dad, but Dad, like, they're hungry. Dad, they're poor. Dad, they need something. They need help. Dad, can we help them? Dad, can we give them some money? And I'm thankful for that because you want to know why? Because I'm blind to it now. I'm numb to it. I'm too cynical to want to get to them like, if I roll down, I ain't about that rolling down my window life, handing money. I don't know these people. I don't know what they're going to do with that money. Some of them making $50,000 a year. I've seen 2020, you know. <laughs> Y'all seen that one report? But I realized through my children that I need God to renew in me a moldable and a humble and an empathetic heart to the needs that are all around me every single day. Because in our culture, in our day, with all going on in our lives, we become numb. And I want to tell you right now, we may be missing miracles because we've allowed our lives to be dictated by the mundane. And so we're missing the opportunity for miracles. We're missing the opportunity for, for interactions that God wants us to have. Why? Because we're so numb to what we see every single day. And there's the story of the Good Samaritan. And man, I preached on the Good Samaritan. I'm like, these horrible religious leaders, they saw this man beat up, no money, bleeding on the side of the road, and they just step over him and go to the other side. And then there's a Samaritan that comes along and helps him. And, and I preach that, and I've come down there. But let me tell you something right now. Like, I am those religious leaders. You are those religious leaders. That's why Jesus told that story. Because he's saying, you all are like that at times. Maybe not literally I don't step over people, but figuratively I do. Maybe not literally I ignore that person on the side of the road beat up, but often I actually do. 
And so I'm not saying you got to give to every person you see on the side of the road. I'm not trying to guilt you here. I'm not saying that you shouldn't use discernment, but I am saying that we need to pray for and ask God for hearts to see and eyes to see what it is he wants us to see. That we would see opportunities, that we would see needs where there are needs and no longer be dictated and guided by our criticism or our cynicism or even our, our mundane lives that we get so numb to what's going on around us. We give even when others won't give. So I want us to watch this next clip. As they talk, T'Challa actually talks to his father and talks to him about, like, why have we abandoned the world? We should have been there for them. We should have helped them. Let's watch this. Third today is we give to see the impossible become possible. See, in this clip, he's talking to his father about how these wrongs in the world, the, the hurt in the world, we were wrong to abandon them, to not meet these needs, to not go out and, and meet them where they are. And as the church, we have this same temptation to take care of us and, and no more. But I believe that God is calling us to miracles once again. See, we're a church that still be believes in the miraculous. We still believe that God works miracles in this house and in this day and in this world. It says that Peter raised him up. He grabs this man by the hand. He raises him up. And then it goes on and says that he went about walking and leaping and praising God. You see, miracles are only possible when we are willing to step out in faith. A lot of us talk about miracles, and there's a lot of churches that talk about miracles. We want to see the miraculous, but the miraculous only happens when we're willing to step out of faith and believe for the miraculous. Peter didn't say, man, John, I hope he gets healed. That'd be pretty awesome. I mean, God would get a lot of glory and praise, but we'll just walk by quietly and just, I'll say a quiet prayer like, Jesus, bless him. I hope he's healed in Jesus' name. Move on. That doesn't take any faith. You know what takes faith? When you get down there and you say, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I'm going to give to you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he grabs him by the hand and he pulls him up and the man begins to walk and to dance and to jump and to leap and to praise God. That took some faith. Because he could have said, in Jesus' name, get up and walk. And like, eh, and the dude just flops on the ground. A lot of us are saying we want to be generous. We want to see God work the miraculous. But then when we go to give to the church or give in some generous way, we look at our bank account and go, oh, I don't know, though. I got some things coming up. Bank account's dangerously low. I don't know if I should do that. Yeah, it takes some faith. I'm not saying you don't use wisdom. I'm not saying you don't have a budget. I'm not saying you don't plan. But I am saying there's a time where when giving takes an act of faith. It takes a step of faith. And I'm here to tell you right now, God shows up when we step out in faith. God reacts and responds when we step out in faith. A lot of us talk about miracles, but we don't want to give God an opportunity to work miracles. We say, God, we want to see miracles. But we aren't willing to grab somebody by the hand and say, get up and walk. We say, God, I want to see a miracle. We are willing to give 
out of what we know we don't have extra in to trust God that he's going to provide for our needs. If we want to see miracles, we got to step out in faith. We give to see the impossible becomes po- become possible. Chrissy talked about Project Rescue during the offering. I don't know if you were paying attention, but Project Rescue is another organization that we partner with. They're rescuing girls out of trafficking in India and Spain. They have homes where they take these girls, girls as long as eight, young as eight, nine, ten years old, as well as teenagers, 20-year-olds. They take them out of sex trafficking. They give them job placement and job training and then get them jobs, homes. Uh, they help them to change their lives. I wanted to tell you, because of your generosity, because of your faithfulness in giving, in the last few months we have given $10,000 to Project Rescue. That's because of you. That's because you are a generous church. We are now up to supporting over 21 missionaries and ministries all around the world doing the work of God. Why? Because of your generosity. 21. Let me tell you, two years ago, it was like eight. But when you give and when you're generous, the church is able to be more generous. We're able to do more. And God is moving through us because we are stepping out in faith. He's doing impossible things and making them possible because of the faithfulness of you. The people saw him. It says they recognized him. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I'm here to tell you when the church begins to be the church. When the church begins to step up and be the church that God has called us to be. The world will take notice. The world will see it, and they will not just stand and say, that's nice. They will stand in astonishment and amazement and say, what is it about these people? Why are they here serving this community? On Hope Week or Hope Sunday last year, I mean, we had the news covering us. We had the city of West Sacramento thanking us over and over. They've asked us, when can you do another project? The city has taken notice. Why? Because we said we will be generous people. We want to see the impossible become possible. The world takes notice when the church walks in faith. And when the church walks in the generous spirit and heart it has been called to walk in. We live to bless. Living to bless means fourth and finally, we give because God first gave to us. Let's watch this last clip. He said, the wise build bridges but the foolish build barriers. I heard a pastor say one time, he said, if you're going to be a bridge to the broken, you have to be willing to be walked on at times. You see, when we live to bless, it doesn't mean that it's all going to be roses and rainbows. When we live to bless, there are times that the response of the people that we bless may not be the response we wanted to receive. But we give not because of how they respond, because the response is between them and God. What we do in our actions are between us and God. We give because God first gave to us. We don't give to get anymore. We already received everything we could ever receive. We already received our eternal inheritance. We already received the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. So we give now because God first gave to us. We give out of a response to the generosity of our God. John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible. It says, for God so loved, guess who he so loved? You, 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 
You over there who's pretty messed up? You over there who's got nothing in your bank account? You over there who were at the club last night partying? You? He so loved you. But then it goes on and says, he so loved that he gave. Say gave. He gave. He gave what was most important to him. He gave his one and only son. We give because God gave first. He so loved that he gave. Loving God means we can do nothing less than to bless. I'm here to declare today to you, church, a truth that I believe God has been stirring in my spirit and heart this week, and I believe he wants us to carry it with us as we go from out in this place. That we would go knowing that we are halves. What I do have, I give. What I do have, I carry. What I do have, I go with. So I'm here to tell you right now, you're about to go out from this place. You're about to go out from these doors. And I want to tell you, you are a do-have. So let's go with hope. Let's go with joy. Let's go with love. Let's go with passion. Let's go with fire. Let's go with love. Let's go with generosity as we go out from this place. Why? Because we have been called to live as a blessing. It's time for us to go. You're about to go because this ain't our house. This is the crest. We got to be out by 2 p.m. You're about to go. But how are you going to go? Let's go the way God is wanting us to go. Let's go with open hands as we go. Let's go with a big heart as we go. Let's go with eyes to see as we go. Let's go with generosity in our heart as we go. Let's live to bless. I want to read this last little deal before we go. We sung this song, Let There Be Light. We sung it in the set earlier. But I want to read the lyrics from this song. Because I think this is language of what I'm talking about today. These lyrics are the heart in which God wants us to live as we go out from this place. It says this, good news, embracing the poor, comfort for all those who mourn, for the brokenhearted, we sing louder. Release from prison and shame, oppression turning to praise for every captive, sing louder. Restoring sight to the blind, breaking the curse of the night for all in darkness, sing louder. Proclaiming freedom for all, this is the day of the Lord. Beauty for ashes, let there be light. Open the eyes of the blind. Purify our hearts in your fire. Breathe in us, we pray. Let that be our heart as we go out from this place. He says, says to do these things and sing louder. But what I believe it's talking about is that we would sing louder with our lives, with our actions, with our hearts as we go. Because we, what we do have, we're going to carry with us wherever we go. Would you bow your heads with me across this place, church?